This is episode 16 of the Bi Urban Yogi featuring Josh Smith. I'm your host, Will Blunderfield. I'm a psych major, a Kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and a mindfulness based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free flowing conversation exploring what it means to live with balance in the 21st century. This episode of the Bi Urban Yogi is sponsored by the Granola Girl Granola. It's definitely by far the best granola I have ever tasted. It's got fucking goji berries in it, for gosh sakes. It's organic, it's made by April Maybellia, it's a local company. I really highly recommend that you purchase some of their granola if you haven't already. Make it part of your regular granola consumption. Um, I love having this granola uh, as an evening snack. It's very low sugar. You can have it any time of the day. It'll give you some energy and also just a good feeling that you're having something healthy and nutritious to fuel you. You can find it at Choices, Whole Foods Markets, Urban Fair, Shoppers Drug Mart. It's pretty much everywhere and you can't miss it because the packaging is so beautiful. It's a pink package, a pink package of granola with an amazing design on the front. Granola girl with a little heart over the eye. You can't miss it. Anyway, here is my interview with Josh Smith at the Granola Girl headquarters in Vancouver. Hope you enjoy. Josh Smith is a holistic life coach and healer residing in Los Cabos, Mexico. A student and teacher of yoga, martial arts, alchemy, and other forms of higher knowledge, Josh has helped thousands of people transform their lives for almost two decades. His passion and wisdom are contagious and his honesty unapologetic. Today, I interviewed Josh at the Granola Girl headquarters with a live audience. Hope you enjoy. The body's symmetrical on both sides. And just take a deep, slow breath into your stomach. And start to focus on your breathing. Just bring your mind's attention to the inhale and to the exhale. And feel the sensation of breathing. Notice the temperature. Feel the energy of the people around you. And focus on your breath. Now focus on the two phases on the inhale and exhale. The very top, that little pause, and then exhale your breath, and then focus on that little pause at the bottom. That third phase of breathing. Deep breath and pause, and then exhale all your breath and pause. And in that pause, feel your consciousness change. Notice how when you stop breathing, your mind stops. Just hold your breath for a moment at the bottom and for a moment at the top. And notice your consciousness change when you pause your breath. Notice your mind become clear when you stop breathing. 
Notice how your mind and your breath are interconnected together. Keep focusing on your breath and feel that sensation of oxygen coming in, circulating through your body, and then CO2 coming out. Feel that sensation of breathing. And notice how you don't have to focus on breathing. You just breathe all day, but you don't think about it. Think about it now. Focus on it right now. And feel your body heating up. With each breath, more energy starts to move through you. More circulation, more heat. Keep focused on your breathing. And make your breathing really smooth and natural. Focus all your attention on your breath. And notice that little pause at the bottom and that little pause at the top. And watch your mind. Watch your mind in that pause. See what happens to your mind when you pause your breath. Notice how clear you become, how sharp your focus becomes. Feel that little pause in your breath. And feel the power in that pause. And feel your body heating up. And feel the energy in your stomach start to move. Any anxiety that you ha had built up inside you. Feel it all releasing in your stomach. Any fear you've had of the future. It all subsides. And stay focused on your breathing. Notice how powerful your breath is when you focus on it. Feel that little pause at the top. And the little pause at the bottom. And focus on that pause. Watch your mind. See what your mind does when you focus on that pause. That little break from breathing. And then when you do breathe, feel the sensation of breathing. And feel the difference between not breathing and breathing. Notice the difference. Notice how it feels different. Notice how when you exhale all your breath and you hold it for long enough, that inhale feels so good. That inhale is so welcome. I feel the difference between breathing and not breathing. Now imagine more energy is coming into your body, more heat, more power. Release any resistance you have to your own personal power in this moment. Release any inhibition to being around strangers. Feel your personal power right now. Let yourself shine right now inside yourself.
Now open yourself up in this moment right now to learn something today. Challenge yourself to be a student today. To be ready to learn. Because the best teacher is a student. Allow yourself to be a student. To receive. To learn. To grow. Ask yourself right now to be receptive. Now focus on who you really know yourself to be. Who you really are. Who you're trying to discover. And let it shine. Because that's why we're all really here. It's not about meditation. It's all theory. It's about you. It's about this opportunity right now. That's why you're here. And now start to focus on your breath once again. Deep, long breaths. Now I want you to breathe in a way where you feel empowered. Imagine how you breathe when you feel really empowered. Imagine your body language. How do your shoulders sit? What is your facial expression when you feel empowered? When you feel fearless? Create that feeling of power inside you. And remember, that's the whole point, is to get back to that place of power. When you reach that place of power, notice the difference of this state and the state you were in when you got here. Notice how focused you are. Notice how all your attention is inside you. Feel a balance in your body. Now set your intention for this, this practice today, for this talk. Your intention from what you're going to get from this and why you're here. And what your challenge and your goal is in your life right now. Focus on that right now. Your personal challenge, your personal goal. And feel yourself in that circumstance with your shoulders back and your chest up, knowing how powerful you are to have whatever you want, to create whatever you want. Set your intention right now for who you are and what you want. Now feel that power inside you. Feel that energy shift inside you because you know And feel the comfort of that knowing who you are and what you want. Feel that safety. Align yourself with it right now, energetically.
I feel more energy building inside you as you get excited about this because this is what you want. This is what you've been focused on for so long. Let it be. Let it be. Don't be scared of it. Don't be scared of yourself, your light. Let it shine inside you. Now take a deep breath and let that energy spread through your whole body. Imagine it's moving through your skin all around your whole body. Deep breath. Feel that power. Imagine you're a lion or a lioness. Imagine how the lioness sits down on the top of the mountain. Imagine her body language or his body language, the lion. Imagine his facial, facial expression. How does she carry her body? Imagine that you are the lion and that the energy of the lion becomes your energy. Feel that fearlessness of the lion. That's your true state. That's who you are. That's what we're all trying to achieve. The power knowing you'll protect yourself, you'll protect your family. You'll kill for love. Feel that feeling that you will kill for love. Feel that power inside you to protect yourself and your family. Now imagine if you were in this state all the time. Every challenge you stepped into, you were in this state, in this power. Imagine how quickly your life would change if you operated from fearlessness. Notice the kids playing. Don't push it out. Life is always changing. You can stay in this state anyway, regardless of distraction. Now set your intention to remain in this state for the rest of the day. Fearless. And now let's take a deep breath. Good, long breaths. Again. OK. 
Okay, now gently open your eyes. And come back into your body. And keep that energy in your mind. Keep that state with you right now. Notice the energy. Everyone's so quiet. This is the state we're all trying to achieve, ultimately. We're too caught up in the content. We're too caught up in all the stories. All the theory on how this is all going to happen. All the steps. It's simpler than that. In this power state, everything's possible. But we resist this energy. Right now, you're completely engaged in your body and in the moment. You're not thinking about the past or future. There's no power there. That's just your distraction. All the power is here. Everything you want comes from this state. It's not about what you want. What you want is irrelevant. The reason it doesn't show up is because of you. You either want it too bad or you don't want it. But you can't have it without this state. Without this balance, without this focus. Let's take a deep breath. Good. Now make yourself comfortable. We'll relax. Thank you, Josh. That was amazing. I love that. It's about being neutral-minded and powerful in the moment, not wanting it too much or too little. Yes. Yes, Beautiful. exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. I want to ask you more about that in a bit, but shall we go around the room first and introduce ourselves? So the whole point of our uh, breakfast gatherings is that we basically my whole adult life, and I've never had a job. I've never worked for anyone. I don't know anything about business. I don't even know what I'm doing right now, but uh, <laughs> I still show up. 
You're just looking hot like a cute I just lion. show up. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of a lifestyle artist, I guess. I try to design my lifestyle in the way that I envision. I'm going to be here for two more weeks, and then I'm going to be in Barcelona for two months. And I'm writing a bunch of different books, and I'm working on online coaching, and most of my students and clients are life coaches, teachers, nutritionists. So I've started teaching the teachers, coaching the coaches the last few years. And I really love it. I really love teaching teachers. It's, it's just so much better. Because teachers are the best students. They're, just, they're the best. You guys are all the best. You're all teachers. <laughs> I love it. Um, what else? I have two kids. I had kids really young. I had kids when I was 19. So my kids are old. They're grown up. Um, and that's another reason why I'm here. My two kids live here. And... Um, yeah, I just I love to be in a high state of mind and and not be in the hypnosis of the world. I tried. That's why I left to Mexico to get out of the craziness and like the the hypnosis. This is really hypnosis. City life everywhere in the world is just straight hypnosis. It's like everyone just starts getting in the groove, and so I'm trying to get people out of that groove, <laughs> so we can all be ourselves and not just keep following each other because that's not really creating any progress, I don't think. So I really hope today that I, I can be an inspiration to you and the energy that this creates in you really creates a compounded effect after this. Yeah, that's it. I could, I'm going to talk for the next 20 minutes, so I'll just shut up now. <laughs> I was thinking, um, before we go into the interview part, do you want to do like one Kundalini thing? Yeah. yeah, it's like pretty easy. You just curl your fingers up like this. Actually, we have to tune in first. So bring your hands to your head. <coughs> so this is to kind of like honor the rishis who, you know, brought this wisdom to us from India. So you sing Om Namo Guru Dev Namo three times. I'll sing it once just so you know what it sounds like. Om Namo Guru Dev Namo. And when you sing the O-N-G sound, try to vibrate your third eye, like right up here in your frontal lobes. <clears throat> According to the yogis, the, most of the world right now is operating from the lizard brain, the fear part of the brain. So when you bring that vibration, that focus to your third eye, you start to develop and bring nutrients to your frontal lobes, which is like the part of you that makes you more loving and kind and grounded as a human or connected to others. <clears throat> Let's sing it three times. Inhale. Om Namo Guru Squeeze the pelvic floor in the core, sit super tall like a yogi and smile. And exhale. So now that we're tuned in, this is called ego eradicator. I like to actually call it ego modifier because I think you need a little bit of ego. Guru Singh says that ego, when it's in balance, is like the glue that keeps your soul in your body. 
So you need a little bit to stain your body. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you're going to curl your fingers like this. So they're touching the tops of the pads. And then you bring your arms to 60 degrees, right up at 60. And then you just focus energetically above the crown of your head. And then breath of fire, it's kind of like, a, I call it like a Darth Vader breath. So it's kind of, you're doing it through your nose, but it's kind of like this. If you were to do it through your mouth, it would be like this. We can all try it through the mouth. So it's like, and you're pumping your navel in. So about three fingers widths below the belly button, you're pumping that nerve plexus in. So now close your mouth and try it through your nose. We'll do it for about a minute. Keep going. And as you do this, you can think in your mind, Satnam, 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 which I've been told is kind of like the buddy name for God. Satnam, Satnam, Satnam. So you're reifying that your consciousness is really the same consciousness as, as that of the divine. Loving consciousness. Inhale, hold your breath, bring your thumbs together, reach your arms up and your fingers up. Squeeze the pelvic floor and the core, take in a little bit more air, hold it. Squeeze. And then exhale, slowly bring your hands down, sweeping your electromagnetic field. Good job. Satnam. Namaste. Very good. You just did yoga. <laughs> I was actually Googling Kundalini Yoga Studios in London, England, because I'm, well, England in general, because I'm going there to visit my brothers. There's no Kundalini there, so I'll have to bring it. I will bring it to your country. <laughs> yes, I'm, thank you. <laughs> awesome. So today's topic is Mind Creates Matter. Um, Let's just riff on that for a bit. Mm -hmm. Mind creates matter. There's movies like The Secret that came out maybe about 10 years ago now. <laughs> um, I think movies like that, maybe the intention was pure, but maybe there was a little bit of a misunderstanding. So some people thought, oh, if I, if I think of a beautiful gold necklace, I'll get it. And I think maybe that kind of missed the point a little bit. Mm -hmm. But what does mind creates matter mean to you? Well, first of all, I think in this particular audience that everyone kind of knows what we're talking about here. This, is a, this audience, I think, is privy to this type of information. But I don't think it's necessarily the point is to know it, but rather to use it. And I think that so often in the West, we, we're so thrilled by the philosophy of yoga and the philosophy of meditation and all of these things that we, we miss the whole point. It, we leave it as theory. Mm. And we may say that we know that our mind creates matter, but then we start, you know, sinking into that hypnotic state of the fourth dimension of the collective, you know, consciousness. And we just flat out forget that our mind is creating matter. And you have to remember that our whole world reflects the opposite. This was something that was edited from our education system, specifically in the West. There is no four elements. There's five elements. Consciousness creates the other four elements. And that was edited from our education system in the West. So for example, a medical doctor will say to you, you know, if you have a problem in your mind, then we're going to give you some pills to change your chemistry. 
because the matter in your body will change your mind as if matter creates mind. So the medical establishment, the whole university system is based on this concept that the matter outside of you will then change how you feel. So you better get out there and change all the matter out there so you can be happy. But it never happens, obviously, because the mind is projecting that experience. So we're going out trying to create effects and change effects to create effects. And what we're calling karma in the West is really just talking about the effect of the effect. We're not actually talking about the cause. Karma is something that happens instantly. It's not something that happens in time. Because in Hinduism, there is no time. Time's an illusion. So how can we have karma in the future? Karma is something that is being projected from your state of being in the moment. And you're going to be, you're going to have pleasure or pain depending on your perspective of that instantly. It's not coming. It's happening. If you're angry, you're feeling the pain of that anger in that moment. That is your karma. So what we're doing is we're not focusing on where the true power is coming from. I've watched people heal stage four lung cancer in two weeks. What are we really talking about here? Does mind create matter? Is this just a philosophy? Are we just talking about a theory? Because yogis in the West are not truly sinking their teeth into the true fundamental of what yoga is. They're just scratching the surface of what yoga is. They're not really sinking their teeth into what yoga was really truly saying. What is Hinduism really truly saying? And we're caught up too, mu too much focused on the details, too much focused on the content. And we're excited because here in the West, this is information that was hidden from us. So when we start hearing about Hinduism and hearing about Zen and hearing about these advanced uh, theories, we're so fucking excited. Because it's like, oh, I knew that must have been true. This seemed too limiting to me. And we get so excited that we start polishing the gate of that garden and talking about yoga and putting the nice yoga clothes on and perfecting those poses. And it's just polishing the lock on the gate to the garden. But none of us are going into the fucking garden. We just talk about it and talk about how beautiful the gate is and how beautiful the lock is. And every day we go and polish that lock and see our reflection in it. We're missing the fucking point. It's not about content. It's not about more information. I'm looking at every one of you here you're all already ready. The idea that you're going to get ready to be who you are in the future is an illusion. You already are who you are. It's not about what you know. It's not about your knowledge. You didn't come here today because you thought, I'm the best yoga teacher. You're all fucking yoga teachers. That's not why you're here. You didn't come here because you think I have some special information. It's because I've arrived to a place where I know that I am who I am. And that's it. And when you know that, that the only place you can be is here, there is no becoming. You can't become anything. You already are something. Whatever you try and become will only be filtered out in the end. Because it's like when you're a teenager and you're trying on different styles, right? I remember having MC Hammer Pants. I mean, we, we all did all kinds of stupid shit, dyed our hair weird. You know what I mean? Remember when you're a teenager, you're trying on different things to try and know who you are. When we're adults, we're just still doing the same thing. We're saying, I'm trying this career, or I'm trying this type of eating habit, or I'm trying... Is what we're really saying is, I just don't know who the fuck I am. I'm still trying to figure it out. 
And so we're going into information. We're trying to get more information, more and more and more and more, because we think if we have more information, then it will solidify a real self. Then I'll, then I'll deserve to be here. And that is a topic that, that I was actually sharing with someone earlier about you know, the type of conversations I get into with my clients, because all my clients are like you. All my clients are yoga teachers. All my clients are, are life coaches. All my clients are martial artists and personal trainers and nutritionists and things like that. And the thing that they're all dealing with is that they don't feel they should be there. We don't feel like we deserve to be in that role, to be like advising someone. Like I think you were saying, like, like what if I'm not like doing the things that I'm telling you to do? And so we have this imposter syndrome that we're going to be caught as an imposter. And so we keep digging into yoga and digging into nutrition and digging into information and philosophy to try and, there's got to be more here. I just haven't found myself yet. There must be more in this bag. And there isn't. We have to stop and just fucking arrive and be here and know that we all already are someone. And when we know we are someone, then we can relax. Because isn't that the whole point of what we're all trying to achieve, really deep down? The career, the house, the partner, it's all just you trying to find yourself. Those are external details of you trying to express yourself. So that's not the goal, that's just the effect. Your career, your partner, all those things are just the effect. Don't pay attention to those things. Those will happen naturally. It's the cause. And the cause is from your state and from your perception of yourself. And so if you can approach your, your, your teaching from a perspective that you don't need to be a fucking guru. In fact, our culture doesn't appreciate gurus. We don't even appreciate people who are older than us. We're raised by our peers. We only listen to our peers. We don't care what wise old people have to say. It's not part of our culture. It's part of other cultures. I can assure you, where I live in Mexico, the old people are the wise people, and they're lifted up. They're on a pedestal. But in this country, it's like, no, 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 get them out of here. They have no value, zero value. We have to put them in a special home. So this is a rare situation that we're in. So we have to understand that we're not looking at wisdom in, in the same way. We're looking at inspiration from our peers. That's our culture. And so you're someone's peer and you're a yoga teacher. So all they're looking for is inspiration from you. They're not coming to you thinking that you're some fucking guru. That's not what they think. They don't expect that from you. That's not even why they came to see you. They came to see you because someone you helped told them or something. <laughs> so it doesn't matter about what you know. It doesn't matter about the content that you're bringing into your teaching. Your content is irrelevant to your spirit. Your true value is your essence. It's not what you know. It has nothing to do with what you know. I came into this conversation having no clue what I'm going to say. I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm going to say to you. But words just keep coming through me. It just happened. So why are we trying so hard to plan everything in life when it just fucking happens anyway? Whether you plan it or not, and it doesn't even happen the way you plan it anyway. So why are we trying so hard? Because we want to try hard, because we want things to be complex. We're not satisfied with easy. Our culture is all about complexity. 
And we're so caught up with complexity that we're not just showing up and going, here I am. I'm here. Who are you? I'm here and I'm me. I'm not the future. I'm not the past. I'm me right now. And whatever I tell you about the past or future of me isn't me. Because I'm constantly changing. So we're too caught up in content, too caught up in, in the game of time. Even though we may say that we're yoga teachers and we know all about the fifth dimension and we know time's an illusion. Yeah, sure. Come on. That's a fucking game. That's, a, that's like a part-time thing. <laughs> the rest of the time we come back to the fourth dimension. We say, yes, time matters. And there is a distinct uh, past and a distinct future that I must control. And it's an illusion. So at what point, especially here in the West, especially here in Vancouver, where everyone's financial needs usually aren't being met because this is the most expensive place in the world. So how can you be yourself? How can you be spiritual when you're trying to feed yourself? When you're just trying to pay your fucking bills, you're trying to feed your kids. It's a difficult situation to be in. And it requires a lot of faith and a lot of trust that the next word will come. I don't know what I'm going to say. The next word will come. I don't know where my money's coming from, but the next money will come. I don't know where my next partner's coming from. It will come. I don't know where anything's coming from. But I know that it will come. And so because I know that, then I can relax. I can say, yeah, I know. I don't have what, maybe what I have what I need. But if I re remain in the right state, then I attract all you beautiful people sitting beside me and talking about it. It just happens. It just happens. What role does patience play in all of this? Patience. Um, that's an interesting question. Patience. What role does patience play in this? Um, I don't know. I'm not really very patient. See, I, I don't think patience does play a role in this. I think that people are too fucking patient. What are we all waiting for? What the fuck are we all waiting for? I don't get it. Like, we're all here to plan the future. We're all going to talk about what we're going to do in our careers and how we can take the best step forward. We're all already here. We're all already healthy. We're all already living life. There's nowhere to go. We're missing the point. We're missing the point that this is the opportunity. We're too caught up in developing our character in the future. And in the future, you'll look back at your, your pictures of you now and go, oh my God, I was so young. I was so smart. I was so talented. <laughs> right? I was just foolish. I didn't express myself. Why didn't I do that? I was so bright. I was too scared. I thought I wasn't there yet. I hadn't arrived yet. And you get old and you're like, well, now I'm there, but now I'm fucking old. You know? Now I can retire and do what? Now you're going to be an adventurer and travel the world? At 65? <laughs> so this, this comes down to really knowing that you know, I don't think you really need to be patient. I think that patience is not a virtue. I wouldn't wait for anything because time's a fucking illusion. What are we waiting for? Waiting for what? For a better circumstance? Pain comes and pain goes. Pleasure comes and pleasure goes. There's no way to avoid either. So don't get too excited about either. Just be neutral. Things are good, things are bad, whatever. It's a fucking dream. Who cares? <laughs> It's all relevant. Your pain is still relevant. It's not you're going to achieve some state where you no longer have pain in your life, that you've achieved some level. Now I'm here. Thank God for the serendipity group. Finally, I've arrived. 
we just have to simply arrive today because tomorrow is such an empty promise. It's such an empty promise. And we're so convinced that building this little ego and having our success and our achievement in this life is so big and important. And really, in the end of the day, it's like, your life is just a speck of dust. Your time here is nothing. Your problems that you're focused on today, you won't even remember them. In six months from now, you won't even remember. Completely oblivious to all the things you're so worried about right now. They won't even matter. So we have to take a, a look at the big picture and go, okay, if we are teachers and we are the leaders here, and you know, maybe we're not gurus, but we're a couple steps ahead of everybody else, what the fuck are we going to do about that? Do we have to make this condition that we have to be the guru in order to step up and lead everybody? Because what are we really waiting for? What's that? I have patience to wait for me to be ready so that I can be a leader. Instead of just going, my unique expression is my gift to you all right here. Whatever's coming out of me right now, this is my gift to you. And it's coming through me authentically. It's not something I'm trying to teach you from a book or some theory. My gift is my personal unique expression. That is my value. That is your value. So whatever you are, the things that you think aren't perfect about you, that's your uniqueness. Express it. Be that. Don't push it away because then you appear as though you're the guru. You appear as though you're so perfect. Nobody likes that. It's a fake. We all suck. <laughs> like, we're, none of us are really that great. True that. <laughs> like, none of us are really that great. Like, we're all pretty mediocre. <laughs> Let's just face it. Like, really. <laughs> all of us. I don't care who it is on earth. We're all mediocre. So let that be okay. Let it be okay that we're all mediocre. Let it be okay and just fucking step up and stand in that place and go, I don't know what I'm doing but I'm showing up. And 99% of the game is just fucking showing up. What practices do you have in place that help you show up in a full way? Like you mentioned getting out of the city. Um, okay. What practices allow me to... Like I just went to Demon Island and that mm. helped me. I can see what you're talking about, I about surf. that hypnosis. I'm a surfer and, uh, and I surf. And that is a, that's a big part of what for me because it's such a challenge to go face giant waves that are will crush you and uh and they do crush you and you almost drown and over and over again. and you just face it and you just face it it's like surfing to me is the perfect metaphor for life you don't get to surf whenever you want there's surf when there's surf and if you wait and you watch you're there at the right time in the right moment and you paddle out in the right position and then you catch that perfect wave and you have that perfect ride but there's a lot of work involved, and there's a lot. It's just like life. You're going to get smashed. You're going to crash. You're going to almost drown every single time you go. But what that does for me, when I after in the morning when I go surfing, I just I feel like the rest of the day doesn't even matter. Like it's all just gravy after that. I've already accomplished everything. If I die today, I know that I went surfing. That's how I feel. If I die today, I went surfing. It doesn't matter. So for me, that's my. That's my thing. I mean, I have all kinds of things. I'm so curious. I'm so passionate. I, I paint. Uh, I'm a martial artist. I do tons of martial arts. I teach martial arts. I love uh, music. I play the guitar. I play the drums. I sing. Uh, I have a band that comes and plays at my house every week. We've been playing for two and a half years. 
Um, I love traveling. I love being in different cultures. I spend my summers here in Vancouver and Spain, half here, half in Spain. I did that last year. I absolutely love Spain. I love traveling. That to me, all those things of just stoking your own personal lifestyle and not focused on outcomes, but just really truly being, what is my lifestyle? What is it that's calling me to just express myself? What is it that's calling me to, to experience? I love that. Kevin, okay, I have a question. I need your advice. Joshi, I need your advice. Um, I teach at a lot of very mainstream venues in the downtown core. I teach at fitness clubs and what have you. And I've done this amazing Kundalini yoga teacher training where we wear white and we sing and we chant mantra. Um, and I, I want to share it with my more mainstream crowd. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding they're super aversive to it. You, mm, know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, like if I come in wearing all white, they're like, why are you doing that? And yep. then I get letters, I get emails from my boss being like, um, please don't have them chant. That's, you know, inappropriate. How, what would you, what advice yeah, would you give? Um, well, being in this industry, being in this industry my whole adult life, I remember when I first got into this industry, I used the term personal trainer because no life coach was not a fucking term. I can assure you if I told someone I was a life coach, I'd just be like, well, what the fuck is that? Like, no one's paying a fucking life coach. Like, that was just... But personal trainer was an acceptable term that everyone could go, I'm seeing a personal trainer three days a week. It's really, oh, that's so good. That's, yeah, I'm seeing a life coach. Like, what? <laughs> Like, I'm seeing a healer. What? I'm seeing a kundalini teacher. What? <laughs> it just doesn't ring off the tongue the same way to the masses. So to me, I, I don't try not to get caught up in terminology. I try to actually mm -hmm. stay away from terminology, especially with those type of people. Because those same words that may be empowering to one person are disempowering to another. So I try to stay away from traditional words and concepts with people who just are not really in interested in that. I'll give the same explanation, like I've done for you today. I could have used Sanskrit words, and I could have used... I mean, those of you who know Hinduism, you know that I'm just talking about fucking Hinduism. But I'm saying it in a way that is my own expression. So I'm using terminology and words that I think the whole group understands. Because mm -hmm. not everyone here is a yoga teacher. Not everyone here understands that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So using the right terminology, not being mm -hmm. scared to just change the fucking word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I could care less what people call me. <laughs> you don't have to call it kundalini yoga you can call it uh, I don't know increasing your sexual libido for men yeah there what man go. doesn't want to do that that sounds better <laughs> yeah. it's just sales baby <laughs> That's right. you know so yeah it's, it's the next topic for the podcast it's, it's a lot of it is your delivery it's the content again it's the, what I was saying the content is not important it's not as important as we think it's more about the delivery Mm, that's good. Speaking to people in their own language and not being afraid to not alter the teachings, but to just deliver them in a way that um, certain groups of society can actually hear them. Well, actually, you have to do that. Because if you mm -hmm. just copy what your yoga teacher taught you, you will, be in a, you will do a disservice to the teaching. The teaching mm -hmm. isn't meant to be literally copied. Mm -hmm. Yoga is an art. And every time it's passed down, the practitioner is using their own art to mm -hmm. express it in their own way, especially if they become a teacher. Beautiful. I find that, um, I mean, the kundalini training was very traditional. It was very, do this exactly the way we teach it. And I can understand that. Like, and I can speak for myself as somebody who came from like, being addicted and kind of ungrounded and not really in my body. 
I needed that rigidity at first to come back into my body and like, tell me what to do. I need a path. And um, so I feel like that's a step. And then I think in terms of the integration of it, I'm realizing, yeah, like it's all about the way you deliver it. Into, take it in, integrate it, make it your own, <coughs> share you, it. Yeah, you have to unlearn everything you've learned mm. in order mm. to teach it properly. Mm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Even I find um, in certain styles in, of yoga, it's always about bringing the energy up and out. Mm-hmm. And I find sometimes that can be a little ungrounding for me personally. But when I bring an awareness to my navel point after a certain posture, so I brought the energy up my spine, touch my tongue to the roof of my mouth, and I bring it back down, mm-hmm. I feel more in my body. Mm-hmm. And so that's not something that's traditionally kundalini. It's a little bit of Montauk Chia. Yep. So I like the idea of fusing it, not to disrespect kundalini's teachings, but I think maybe Yogi Bhajan probably, he was saying the same Yogi thing Yogi Bhajan didn't have language. the internet. He didn't have the internet. There he didn't have go. the internet. So all he of these different the teachers weren't sharing all of these things. Right. So it's not that these ancient teachings are complete. It's that they were in a particular isolated part of the world while they were being developed. And there was another part of the world where something similar was being developed. And they go, well, these two teachings are different. And they have to be practiced exactly how they're taught. And it's like, no, no, no. What do you think that these yogis 10,000 years ago, they were, me and you were yogis 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. We're the one who wrote these scripts in past lives. Mm. So how did we come up with it? We fucking made it up. Right. Partly made it up with our own creativity and partly using science and using sacred science and geometry to understand it all. Mm. But ultimately, what your, what your teachers taught you is also something that one of his teachers just fucking made up. These are human beings. I mean, go to India. Look at all the fucking stupid teachings. That, there's lots of retarded teachings in India. It doesn't mean because it's ancient teaching that it's a really good... No. They do all kinds of stupid shit in India. Really stupid. There's all kinds of horrible yoga, horrible meditations, horrible philosophies that are completely distorted. They're still based in Hinduism, but they're not the same thing. Mm. So everyone can have their expression of Hinduism, whatever the fuck that is. And it's all okay. Because ultimately we're all just taking a little bit of everything and then expressing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, that really resonates with me. Something else that I've been noticing in, in, um, in the West is like, and it's getting better, but like we live on this, this unceded territory of First Nations peoples. And, um, you know, I'm taking Kundalini training, which is from India, and I'm interested in Zen and, and um, all these different things from all around the world. But it's like, wow, there's such a rich plethora of spiritual teachings from this continent that I'm just starting to tap into, chanting and what have you from this continent, from the Squamish nation. And um, I really want to uh, learn more about that. Do you know anything about Ultimately, that? Ultimately, the native culture still comes from its roots in Hinduism. Hmm. So basically, the, the, Mayans, the Mayan system is the Egyptian or Indian system. It's the exactly same thing. In fact, the Mayan language is almost identical to Sanskrit. Hmm. The, the Mayan shamans in, in Central and South America... When they come up here to Vancouver to, for example, do a sweat lodge, um, they have all the same songs. It's all the same songs as all the same philosophies, all the same songs, all the same traditions. As nations up here, yeah, really, yeah. So I, my my feeling is that the North American natives are actually the reason they're, they're they seem as though they're a different group 
is because they're genetically bigger and whiter. Because my feeling is that they're probably they're a mixed race. So the, they were probably a, a partly Mayan or partly South, South American native that then mixed. I mean, if you look at um, Eastern Canada, the evidence of uh, the Vikings being there thousands of years ago is all there. Mm. So the Vikings were here. When we say native people, they're not necessarily native. That's why we call, you know, Mayan people yeah. Indian. Right. We That's why right. Christopher here Columbus came times. and said, oh, look, there's Indians. He's saying genetically they're Indian. He's not saying they're Indians. Right. Genetically, they're the same genetics as people from India, from the Dravidians right. in India. And isn't there also a theory about the land bridge that people from Asia came over to North America at a certain time as well? I don't know about that. At least that's what we were taught in high school. Um, I would say that what, if you study Hinduism, I mean, first of all, the chronology of genetics in, in Hinduism goes one million years. So the Hindus were here. One, the, first of all, Hindus are genetic. Hindu is not just a religion. Hindu is, is a genetic group. And the Hindus were here one million years ago. We're in North America? One on, Earth. On, okay. on Earth. On mm. Earth. We're, we're too caught up in genetics revolving around region. Region mm. doesn't play any role in genetics. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Genetics is being hidden in our world, so none of us have any clue about genetics. Mm. Um, what was your question again? Um, well, <laughs> that got really convoluted, sorry. No, I, I, I just... Um, I just feel like there is okay, sorry, a the wealth. Native Americans. Yeah, Native Canadians. Like I'm thinking people from Haida Gwaii. Right. Um, well, it's basically shamanism. And shamanism yeah. is based on the philosophy that nature uh, represents different, uh, you know, gods, different energy sources that mm -hmm. can be tapped into and that energy and that power can be used. I love that. Yeah, we'll get on to questions. I just, because I, I guess I was, I got triggered because I was at this place called the Hermitage, which was the former headquarters of Greenpeace on Demon Island. And now it's a beautiful meditation center. And they had this big wheel of all these different religions, all these symbols, Sikhism, Buddhism, Shintoism, all these different, and they had no symbol for like Native Canadians or Native American uh, spirituality. And I just was like, come on, let's include, let's include that in the picture as well. Anyway. Yeah, like I said, it's shamanism. And if yeah. they were to include it, they would have to include the other 700 groups around that the world that are also in the same position. Yeah. So everyone can't be represented. Let's just face it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this idea that we're going to have equality and everyone will be represented equally yes. is just impossible. It's never Right, right, right. But I guess it's just like the Christian and the, the, that was really emphasized. The Christian, all these Abrahamic religions were really emphasized in this image. And I was like, oh, gosh, couldn't we just put a little bit of shamanism in there? You know, that's, that's just what I was feeling. There's only really two religions on mm -hmm. earth. There's a Judeo-Christian religion, and then there's a Hindu system, hmm. basically. And Hindu is kind of, you're equating it with sort of like a shamanist. The, uh, the, some religions will, will be very closely related to Hinduism, and the others will be very closely related to Judeo-Christian system. Hmm. Hmm. That's, there's, that's it. There's, Hinduism was a global religion at one time. Hmm. And if you go to, for, for example, Europe, the evidence that Europe was completely Hindu is very obvious, but it's very hidden. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's food for thought. Awesome. Any questions for Josh? A couple things that stood out for me is when you say we're mediocre, it's like everyone says, yeah, we're great. We have this divinity inside of us that makes us, like, superhuman. So remember with the girl who won the female UFC champion fight, Rose? And she goes, you know, everyone says, how does it feel? You're just, you know, the best in the world now. And she goes, no, I'm just a regular. I'm just like all of you guys, so don't put me up there. And 
when we do put people up on a pedestal, they crash so hard. It's like, let's just look at them as, you know, one of us. Then it won't be so disappointing when they actually do something human mm-hmm. or, or fall from the pedestal that we put them up on. And here we are, like, blaming them. So uh, I love that. Thank you for the reminder. And um, on the topic of patience, I believe in divine timing. So when we think, you know, oh, I'm not there yet, um, perhaps I would just, you know, ask myself, what do I need to do or um, what has to happen for this to happen, for it, for it to exist in my life? Um, perhaps, you know, all the ducks aren't in place yet. And, and we, we focus a lot on why isn't this happening? Well, it's like you need to take action too, right? You need to do something mm-hmm. for something else to happen for you or to you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that. Like yeah. th- rethinking patience. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I want to make a comment about that. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Um, Thank you, April. I want to talk about the difference between motivation and inspiration. Motivation is you're going to do something you don't want to do to get something you want right? So you're going to go to X to get Y. You're not going direct, you're going indirect. You're going to do something you don't want to do, so you can go do something you do want to do. Well, inspiration is different. Inspiration is you're in your spirit. You're acting from your spirit. And the actual activity itself is the desired outcome. It's not a means to an end. It is the end. Inspiration goes directly to the end without needing to go there. So there's a difference between inspiration and motivation. Motivation is saying, oh, I have to do these steps in order to get there. Oh, but I really should do it. I really want it. That's motivation. Inspiration is what I'm doing is exactly what I want to do right now. It's not about an outcome for tomorrow. It's like a child. If If there's a child who really loves, I don't know. What did you love when you were a child, when you were little? Oh, just um, chatting with people. Honestly, I know that sounds really weird, but I used to go down to Kids Beach, and my mom says she'd like look up, and I'd be like four like people down, being like, "Hi, I'm Annika. Nice exactly. to meet you." Now imagine if you said, "I have to chat with people so that I can grow my business," but I don't love chatting with people, but I'm gonna do it because I have to grow my business. That's motivation. Yeah. But if you're doing it because you like it, that's inspiration. Yeah. So you were inspired as a child. This is my point. When we're kids, we're inspired. We're not motivated. You weren't motivated to make friends, mm-hmm. to motivated to get something from those people. You were simply inspired for the experience itself. It's the end result. You get the gold right from the beginning. You don't get the gold in the future. It's there already. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between inspiration and motivation. I have a little thing to note, too, about, like, April. She said, like, you're always, like, trying, like, what do I need to do to get to this step? Like, whatever. But sometimes you don't get there. And sometimes it didn't fucking happen like you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get, like, really, really caught up in the fact that, like, ugh, poor me. Like, this didn't happen. Like, now, like, it's all over and, like, whatever. But, like, where are you? Like, you're still fucking living. Like, you know, as Josh said before, I think that really al- this really aligns with what you were saying is, like, we're, we're, we're not, like, a work in progress. We are who we are and what we are is great already and it's good enough. And you need to be able to kind of bounce back and kind of realize that it's not the end of the world that this and such didn't happen. And just because you put so much effort and hard work and I'm so sad because I went through all this motivation. But if you just like go and inspire to be ready for change and all like 
you know, be a little bit op more open-minded and less frustrated with the world because that's one of my biggest issues is I'm constantly, constantly frustrated. But you gotta have to let go of that and think like maybe, maybe it's not, it's not that bad that it didn't happen. Just like she said with the, like putting yourself on a pedestal almost. Like if she didn't win the championship, like it's, no, everyone's not gonna die. <laughs> right. It's like that surfing analogy. The waves are going to come. Sometimes you get beat up by them. It's kind of the way life is. Yep. It's part of the game. Part of the game. Very good. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was making me think of... Uh... Thank you. <laughs> um, it was making me think of just like uh, acceptance of mundane moments too. Mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to have motivation. Sometimes it's like that balance. Like there's just moments like with my taxes... Um, you know, it's, everyone's got to, if you're living here, then other, you do your taxes, you, you know, get penalties for that, unless, uh, I don't know, can, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> kind of little, I don't have but, too much but, advice but, in that area, but, <laughs> but, uh, there's, there's things that you aren't, <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not like, oh, I'm inspired. Oh, I love doing my taxes is what I'm meant to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just those, like, you right, those right. waves, you gotta still. There are rational, logical things that we do have to do, mundane things that we yeah. do have to be motivated for to some degree. You're right. Yeah. Like, but, yeah, getting that balance to be able to, I don't know, maybe people aren't actually checking in with their inspiration. Enough. Some things are less inspirational. Yeah. <laughs> like doing your taxes. <laughs> I like the idea of like, if those things that you have to do, like taxes, like trying to make it as fun as you can. You yes. Know, like playing some good music while you're doing the taxes. Yep. Or like getting naked and like doing little dances. <laughs> Do the helicopter. It's fun. It's a quote that says um, to make the mundane sacred. So I, I think it's like Tantra yoga, I believe, and it's just like making the most out of a situation. Um, I just want to say I love what you guys all talked about. I'm kind of going through some personal development and stuff myself. Um, I have a question about how to be present, but also balance it with like having goals or like intentions and stuff. Like, where do you obviously want to be in the present, but mm -hmm. you're also wanting to strive for other things? Like, where do you find that balance between mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say that they're both important. And sometimes in life, it seems like, is it this or is it that? And it's this and that. And it seems like it's a paradox sometimes. And it's not because. If you are able to be really inspired, like truly in your zone and you're not worried about the future, you're ultimately going to take those steps. You're just going to take them. You're going to be like, yeah, I guess I can do the dishes. Yeah, I guess I can, you know, do some homework. Yeah, I guess I can. It becomes part of your excitement. When you're in that zone and in that inspiration, you're going with your intuition and your intuition is leading you towards doing the things that you say you need to do without you needing to make your schedule and force yourself to do them. Because you're not in a good state of mind. You don't want to do them. So being in a really positive state of mind is, is still more helpful than having a plan. Because your positive state of mind is ultimately going to get you further. Because your plan, you're probably not even going to follow because you're not in a good mood. I like good state changers that are kind of unpleasant at the time but help you feel inspired more often. Like, for example, cold showers. I find that when I have a cold shower early in the morning and get up, I just feel more blissful, bountiful, and beautiful and able to make the mundane sacred. 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> such a tiny microphone. Um, yeah, I just wanted to comment on, I feel like making the mundane sacred is, uh, it's exactly, it's this theme that's been coming up for a lot, a lot for me lately, um, how spirituality can be so um, mystified, overly mystified and like overly precious. Mm -hmm. And that can really deter a lot of people and turn them away. I really like your kind of casual, relaxed approach to mm -hmm spirituality per se because being spiritual is really just existing as a person and being centered in yourself mm -hmm. in each moment that you are alive and present on this planet and perhaps further on <laughs> I don't know <laughs> we'll get into that right now but um I actually had this experience recently where I was asked by um an elder uh the actual um owner of the studio that we did our training to sit in and co-host a uh, um, full moon med meditation ceremony with him. There were about 70 people there and I was sitting next to him and I had this weird experience of thinking um, that I wasn't like, it, I wasn't the right person to choose to be up there. Like, why am I up here with this person who's so deeply spiritual and he's been practicing for so long and he's there in his white and he's wearing his turban and people are looking to him for the wisdom. So I really liked what you were saying about um, honoring the wisdom that you have already and honoring what you're able to share as a peer. Because once I relaxed into myself, I had a lot of people come up to me after and say, I really liked, <coughs> like how you held the space, how you were there. Like all you can do is hold your own space, hold your own energy. So yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. Really yeah, connected with it. Mm -hmm. Thanks Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, firstly, you say about the modification, your feeling. So I take a, class is about the psychology before so it's called self-justification mm -hmm. so you do something you don't think it is right before but you do it so you have to persuade yourself say uh yeah it's okay right now and then you will keep doing this it will make you feel relaxed to do the wrong thing right and the next thing is about the neutral when i first heard hear this word i think why actually i'm a passion people i mm -hmm. don't want to lose my passion i don't uh I don't want to like say passion is nothing. But later I think it is not about, you don't need to have a passion. It's about not over. It's about the neutral. Don't be too over overjoyed yes. or don't too oversat. It's, <laughs> yes. it's like, uh, for example, you win a lotto, you win a $7 billion. So what are you going to do after that? You don't spend too much because spending money will let you too crazy about that you can't can't stop right so to think about it to you want to just uh upgrade your life a little bit but not too much or you've faced some challenges you don't want to be so sad you just keep that you just let it go it's like that janelle monet song yeah. whether you're high or low <laughs> Start whether you're high or low you got to tip on the tight rope <laughs> you can't get too high you can't get too low. Because if you get too high, then you'll surely be low. Come on! Yeah, thank you for sharing. I like this topic. Yeah, thank you so much for that for that comment. And that's that's a really good point. A really good point. And it's something I talk about a lot is being neutral. If you look at nature, wild animals will always respond to your energy if you're being dominant or submissive. And if your energy to them is dominant or submissive, it makes them scared. And they'll either attack or they'll run. And you can see that people who understand animal behavior 
can be in nature and be around. Like I've swam with sharks. I've been right head to head with seven foot sharks coming right at me. And like, you just learn that if you stand your ground and you're not fearful, the animal has no reason to attack you. And it doesn't matter what animal it is. It doesn't matter if it can kill you or not. If you come across as being submissive or come across as being dominant, you'll be attacked. Likewise, when you deal with humans, it's the same fucking thing. It's the same thing. If you approach someone in a submissive way, oh, hi, ha, 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 or a dominant way, how are they going to respond? <clears throat> it's based on physics. It's not based on psychology. It's physics. It has to do with the polarity of things. So when we understand that, we can approach all of these wild beasts out here and we can tame those beasts by being super neutral. <clears throat> That's something that I've learned from growing up on the other side of the tracks. I grew up on both sides of the tracks, but when I was on that side, you learn self-governance. You learn how to govern yourself because you have to stand up for yourself when you're on the street and you got to protect yourself so you don't get all your clothes stolen and you get beat up and you, you have to learn how to govern yourself. And from that street knowledge, I've learned about being neutral. It's like an animalistic knowledge that civilized society is unaware of now. It's that neutrality in us where people can't attack. There is no attack. There is no argument. When you're super neutral, no one has anything to, to say. There is no offense or defense because you're not playing a game. There is no game. So if they have a stance, it's offense or defense, and you're neutral, eventually they're just going to look silly, and they're going to go, oh, this is silly. And they'll stop doing it. <clears throat> it's just a game that we're playing with each other because we're in the fourth dimension and we're playing this dualistic game together where everything's a duel, everything's this or that. And so we all have to choose which one. Well, I like that one. Well, I like this one. It's like, it's a dichotomy. So when we remain neutral, <clears throat> that's the most powerful position to approach any interaction. Do you have any hot tips for remaining neutral? Hot tips for remaining neutral. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I would say really it's a practice. And, and what I would suggest to everybody is don't leave any of this as philosophy. Don't leave this shit as philosophy. It's worthless. Burn your books. Like, they're, they're, just, they're useless unless you're actually going to use it. And that's why I would tell people, practice. Anything that you heard me say that intrigues you and then you're like, huh, that's interesting. Go practice it. Go into the world and go, I'm going to practice being neutral with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. Or I'm going to practice. I always get into this argument with my dad. I'm going to practice being neutral. I'm going to see what happens if I really remain in myself and I don't become submissive or dominant. What happened? Mm. To me, life is more of an experiment rather than a theory trying to figure it all out. Mm. Cool. Thank you. Any other questions? Josh, um, you seem really um, just unapologetically honest, and I guess you're just naturally very self-aware, and I love that. But for people who aren't as, I guess, upfront and authentic, how would you, how would you tell others to be like their more authentic self? I mean, people always tell me, "Oh, your twenties are for finding yourself," um, but you're basically saying you are who you are. You know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so. Were, was there ever a moment where you had to find yourself and look, look into yourself and realize who you were? Or mm -hmm. were you just always this authentic individual that you are today? Okay, that's a good question. Um, 
I would say both of those things are true. Um, as a kid, I was a bit of a freak. Um, I saw the aura around everything. So I could see the energy of field around every single object, and I saw it for the first eight years of my life. I could not see it. And I just assumed that everyone saw it. And so I was always kind of like staring into space because when you're looking at the aura, you have to use your peripheral vision to perceive the ultraviolet light. And so I was always kind of looked like I was looking in space and kind of meditating all the time for the first eight years of my life. I, I thought everyone could see it, so I never talked about it. Like, we don't talk about the sky being blue. And then in, in grade two, I was sitting in the back of the class looking at everyone's aura, and then the teacher said, Josh! And I went, what? And she said, what are you looking at? And I said, I'm looking at the light on top of everyone's head. And I was being really honest and really, like, sincere. And she, ever, the whole class started laughing, and the teacher grabbed me, pulled me out of the classroom by the ear. And I was super confused. I didn't know what the hell she was talking I said, no, I'm serious. I was looking at the light on top of everyone's head. Oh, she just lost it because she thought I was trying to make, make it worse. Like I was trying to like make fun of her. So after that, that's when I realized that like I guess I was different and that other people weren't having the, that, that type of experience. So ultimately, yeah, I was, I, I've sort of already been like this. I've, I've been a teacher probably many lives, an enlightened teacher. And when I was born, I was sort of already there. I didn't really speak for the first five years of my life. I was just always meditating all the time. I didn't know I was meditating, but that's what I was doing. And then also there was times in my life where, you know, as a teenager, I lost that completely. I, I pushed that away. I didn't want to have, be different. I, didn't, I just wanted to fit in. And, you know, when you're a teenager, that's like, why do we want to fit in? And uh, so, yeah, definitely there are things that challenged me to, to really want to be myself more. And what I think I realized is you can't really be someone else anyways. Well, every time you try to adopt some aspect of someone else, you can't really pull it off anyway. I tried that. I tried becoming Lady Gaga. And I manifested a record deal, but it all crumbled because I couldn't sustain Gaga. There you go. I could not sustain there, that's her. That's the perfect example right there. There's a perfect example right there. You can't sustain being someone else. You will always be found out eventually as a fraud. And whatever you accomplish being someone else is really small compared to what you can accomplish being yourself. And you also feel like you're not, you're not actually seen for who you are, so you become successful. But then part of you is resentful of the success because it's, they're not actually seeing you. So that's that little child inside of you, and my situation was crying. because like, I'm, it, I'm not being seen. Will's not being seen. It's just right. this Gaga impersonator. Right. It's like yeah. the plastic flowers on the dinner table. You know they're fake, but no one else does. Mm-hmm. That's a great point, Will. Um, so would you recommend like tapping into your inner child and just listening to that voice? Just I would say if you want to impersonate somebody, only do it so far as you can still maintain your loving connection to that child. Because I don't think there's any, like some people channel, like Abraham Hicks, yeah. um, you know, and even Lady Gaga herself at times in her career has channeled other people like Madonna. Mm-hmm. So I think my rule of thumb these days is only do it so far as I can maintain a sense of feeling blissful, bountiful, and beautiful in my true nature. And that requires really good daily habits that keep me in my highest so that I know who I really am so I don't have to pretend. Right. Well, a lot of that is that we're all trying to be awesome. We want to be better than we are. And a lot of our perspectives of ourselves are not really actually that great. Like, And that's the reason that we're trying to adopt some... Mm-hmm culture or some the philosophy Lama, or some... When the Dalai Lama came to the North America, apparently he was shocked by 
the level of self-hate that we have as a culture. So we're already brainwashed into this state of, of self-aversion. Um, so if we're doing what we're doing to try to compensate for that, then it's always going to be ineffective, I believe. Yes. Yeah. It won't create the result you're really looking for in the end of the, at the end of the day, and that's the problem. Whereas if you come, like, for example, I, I love Esther Hicks. She channels Abraham, the spiritual teachers, and she talks about how she has to really take care of herself and meditate every day, love, her, love Esther for who she is so that she can access and be that channel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's another good point. When you're in that high state of consciousness, you're channeling. You're going beyond your little ego and what you think is possible for you. What you can come up with, what's possible for you, is just really small in comparison to what's really truly possible for you because your mind is limited. It's limited to what you believe you can do, what you believe the world can do for you. And it's just such a limited perspective of what's possible. So... Again, going outside of that ego. And then that's really what I'm doing. I'm not speaking from my small self. That's why I can speak so confidently because I'm not speaking as Josh. I'm going outside of Josh. Josh maybe wants to have uh, you know, accolades from society and wants to be promoted and wants to be propped up. But my higher self doesn't. My higher self is completely uninterested in the things that Josh is interested in. And so when I achieve that higher me, when I'm in that higher self, then I can express without fear. Then I can express without needing to try and posture. I will add one thing is I found in my experience that you become like the top five people I hear that you, that you hang around with most. And so interestingly, I've started to become a little bit like April and I'm not channeling her, but just hanging around her. I feel like I'm more in my body. I'm more in my heart just by being around people that I love. So that's a little piece that I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard yeah. that. You're clustering. Clustering. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I was actually going to comment on something similar. Was that like, and I, I actually wonder whether this is a healthy thing to do. But I have like one friend that's really good at setting boundaries, and that can be a little bit of an issue for me sometimes. I like to make everyone happy. So when I need to set a boundary, I think of her and think like, what would Katie do? Like she would set mm -hmm. the boundary. So um, I think that's for a me, good that technique. Works really well, but I also don't know whether that's something I need to do, like looking outside of myself or. Setting, setting boundaries has to come, has, comes down to the balancing the masculine and feminine energy. Mm -hmm. So the masculine energy, when it's balanced, you will naturally just set boundaries without thinking about it. Yeah. Because right. the positive masculine... But, that, but she's asking that, that technique of saying, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would my friend who I'm hugely inspired by do? And then just doing that. I think that could be a good technique. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. It's kind of accessing that energy. It's like mm -hmm. accessing the more um, masculine... Yep. Yeah, or what would somebody who truly love, like if you're in a place of self-aversion, if I truly love myself in this moment, what would I do? There were a few more audience questions, but unfortunately the uh, recording equipment shut off at that point. But I hope you enjoyed that interview, and I would love you to go over to the iTunes store and rate and review this podcast. Just head over to iTunes and type in the By Urban Yogi, and it should pop right up there. Thank you so much and have a beautiful week. Namaste. I've made so many mistakes. Somebody please help me turn.